Section 9 of the Book of Famous Sieges. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Stephen Seidel. The Book of Famous Sieges by Tudor Jenks. The Siege of Saguntum, 219 B.C. Some of those who have written about great generals in the past have put the Carthaginian general, Hannibal, among the three greatest, the other two being Caesar and Napoleon. But such an estimate is based upon their general character as great men. Considered simply as soldiers, Frederick the Great of Prussia and Gustavus Adolphus of Sweden are certainly the equals of any who ever lived. Frederick being often put at the head of the list. Hannibal, however, exceeds all the rest, according to these same writers, in his unselfish and patriotic character. He fought for the good of his country and never put his own interests against those of his nation. It happens, owing to the sort of wars that he fought, that Hannibal did not conduct any very great siege. This was because he was fighting with a not very large army against a great number of foes and in the enemy's country. He did not have time or sufficient force to settle down before a stronghold and to take it by siege. He was, therefore, much less skilled in this form of warfare than either Alexander or Caesar. The only siege of importance that he carried on was against the fortified city Saguntum upon the eastern coast of Spain. The city at that time was only one mile inland, though now the coast has extended so that its site is three miles from the sea. It was situated upon an enormous rock, the sides of which were cliffs 300 or 400 feet high, except on the westward, where a slope was more gentle. To provide against attack at this, its weakest point, great walls had been built there in a very strong and high tower. Although in those days the usual plan for attacking such strongholds was to build a great mound of earth as that Alexander used in reaching the walls of Tyre, this could not be done against Saguntum, since the rock was too high and the mound could not be brought as high as the walls. Hannibal was therefore compelled to cut down hundreds of trees and build the long galleries of strong walls that were called vineae. These, covered on the top with hides or earth, were like overground tunnels, and through them his soldiers could safely advance against the westward side near to the walls. Out of wood also Hannibal's engineers built great towers and battering rams covered with roofs. The towers were placed upon rollers and gradually moved forward until they came so near the walls that the archers and slingers could attack the defenders from above. This kept the soldiers of Sumutum from rushing out to capture or to set on fire the rams, which are said to have been of enormous size. The Saguntines at first drove the Carthaginians from their rams by their volleys, but as soon as the men were protected and the rams could beat against the walls, these soon began to yield. Hannibal succeeded at last in throwing down part of the wall and three of its smaller towers. The Saguntines had plenty of stores, were excellent fighters, and, being the last town in Spain to resist Hannibal, they hoped that if they could hold out a reasonable time, help would come to them from the Romans. 
Hannibal had a hundred and fifty thousand men and was well provided with siege machines, but he wished to take the city as soon as possible, and so, upon the making of the first breach in the walls, he ordered a charge without waiting to widen the breach and gain a broader front of attack. His men, consequently, fought at a disadvantage, and were again and again driven back with great loss. Their great numbers were of no advantage, since they could only advance in a narrow column. The Saguntines, encouraged by their success, constantly rushed out to attack the siege works, and at one time succeeded in wounding Hannibal in the thigh, so disabling him that he had to give up the active direction of the attack. Once before this, Hannibal had narrowly escaped being crushed under an enormous stone thrown from the wall. In these attacks, the Saguntines made great use of blazing darts, called Felerica. Probably these were first made to set fire to the siege works, but they proved most effective also when used against Hannibal's soldiers. For five days these assaults were repeated at intervals, but the Carthaginians could not force their way into the city. In spite of his hurry, Hannibal was compelled to see that the city could not be taken with a rush. He left the main works in the hands of his engineers, who first built a long breastwork protected by towers across the western front of the city, behind which the Carthaginians were safe from attack. Then, at their leisure, the engineers constructed enormously high towers of many stories, upon each of which were strong bodies of archers, slingers, and engineers with their artillery. When this lofty tower had been brought within bowshot of the wall of Saguntum, so heavy a fire was poured down upon the defenders that they could not remain upon the upper part of the wall, but were forced to leave it undefended. This left the pioneers free to advance close to the foot of the wall, which was built of stones laid not in mortar but in clay. With picks and levers the base of the wall was soon weakened and the wall thrown down. But meanwhile, the Sagutines had had time to build a half-moon wall inside to protect the breach. This, however, was a weaker wall than the first, and being commanded by the tower could not easily be strengthened. Another breach was soon opened in another part of the wall, and having a strong force, the Carthaginians were able to prevent these breaches being closed. After several such breaches had been made, a strong force of Carthaginians being sent at once to attack each could not be repulsed. The Saguntines were forced to flee from the wall and to take refuge in their strong citadel or great tower. By the time Hannibal returned in person to the attack, the defense seemed so hopeless that he offered the citizens fair terms if they would surrender. But refusing to give up, the Saguntines gathered all the wealth of their city into one great pile set fire to it, and slew themselves. When, at length, the great tower of the citadel was in turn undermined and fell, the Carthaginian army entered only to find the place a mass of ruins. This siege lasted for eight months, and despite the attempt to destroy the city's wealth, there was enough booty found in the city and sent to Carthage to make the avaricious Carthaginians eager to see the war carried by Hannibal into Italy. 
Five years later occurred the remarkable siege of Syracuse by the Romans under Marcellus. This is mainly remarkable for the wonderful feats in engineering that are told of as the work of the great Archimedes, a native of that city. But unfortunately, we do not know exactly the nature of the machines used by the philosopher. He was more interested in pure reasoning than in the clever things he made, and so we have no means of knowing more than history tells us, that he destroyed and drove away the Roman ships. Suppose it was by means of explosives that Archimedes set them afire or raised them in the air. Would not the story read much as it does now? At all events, the siege may be briefly told, though we cannot make clear all its happenings. End of section 9